Welcome back, Northwest Arkansas, to another episode of Hey Hey NWA. I'm Peyton Finley. And I'm Zach Pankey. And this week, we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to kind of go back to our kind of special episode kind of format here. And yeah. we're going to have a little bit of a discussion. Yeah, we uh, we last week had a podcast that was all interview. And this one's just going to be all me and Peyton. So riveting, the riveting, the two should balance out. Well, um, we're going to be talking about some, some of the stuff we got into with Christina and Amos, and we're going to talk about some stuff we talked about with Clint, uh, the pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran. Um, we're talking about politics on a local level, on a local level and local being, um, locally as far as are the borders of our state. Well, our participation in stuff that affects our state. Essentially, it doesn't have to be, though. So sure. there are lots of levels to local engagement when it comes to politics. So there is the very immediate context of your city. Yeah. And then there's the context of your county. Then there's the context of your state. Yeah, and I think you can even take it to a national level. Well, nationally, or I think you can take it one step lower when you talk about communities and their schools right. and like school boards, um, which are not citywide, but they're, you know, they govern a particular school or a school district, right? which is not necessarily the whole of a city. Um, anyway, we're going to talk about politics and we're going to talk about kind of three pieces that Peyton and I have been kind of kicking around and things we've bumped up against a lot. Um, so the way this episode is going to break down and we'll talk about, um, voting, just participating in politics by way of a vote. We're going to talk about some ways, um, some dates, meet the candidates, kind of ways to engage yourself in being a thoughtful voter. We're going to talk about, um, economically how you participate in politics financially, which is not always contributing to a candidate. Um, it's different, can be different. And we're going to talk about on a societal, le societal level, participating in politics, um, either with action, volunteering, protest, etc. cetera, uh, just showing up, being a body in a room, um, and doing work. Um, so we're going to kind of break the episode into those three parts. Peyton, which one of those do you want to tackle first? Which one do you want to talk about first? Let's just go in the order that you talked about. Okay. I think that's safe. Um, but before we do get started, I do want to say that this is not a partisan conversation. This is just a conversation just about how to be involved locally in politics. We're not advocating for some candidate or party or another. We're just... We're just having a discussion on how to be involved. Or we're not even uh, beyond partisanship. I don't even think we're like pitching a particular ideology. And I think that'll be important when it comes to participating in a body show up way and 
um, giving your time, maybe because of some of the th stuff we'll talk about in that element. Um, but it's not even about pitching an ideology even other than that we have a job to participate with politics. So if anything here is say like the banner that we walk under for this particular episode is we should participate in politics um, and not like Peyton said, partisanship or carrying some sort of ideology along with us along the way. So trying to be very accommodating for everyone yes um along the way so awesome well let's get into it all right local political action through voting now i think this is this is one of the reasons why this episode theme was on top of mind for me mm -hmm. is because i live in bentonville and recently there was a special election for a seat in the bentonville city council and there was a there was like a pretty uh heavy race around it um and what ended up happening is that only 5.1% of the population actually participated in this election. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, there's a lot of explanation around that. This was a special election that you had to register for um, in advance and honestly be aware of in the first place because um, a councilman was stepping down from their position and, you know, could have snuck up on you um, otherwise. So there was the registration fact, but then there was also just the fact that it was a special election out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, 5.1%, um, it's a pretty low number, and that equates to uh, 1,400 people, which um, I should have looked up some averages, I guess, of participation in elections like this in other areas, mm -hmm. but it seemed like a, like a small number. So, so yeah, I wanted to talk about, you know, the importance of voting and full disclosure, I did not get to vote because I did not register and I was not aware. And <laughs> this entire episode is kind of a, a way to advocate to myself, hey, you should go out and vote and actually put time into that. Yeah. So I think, uh, on a national level, we we are seeing a um, like a shrinkage in the percentage of the population that votes. Anyway, um, we're seeing fewer and fewer people showing up to the polls for a variety of like a variety of things, um, and so I think it is not insane to think like a number like 5% would be like a national sort of number, especially with a special election. Um, but those numbers tend to be really low, even in midterm elections, like 2018 will be a midterm election. Um, so I think you see like a really low turnout. Um, because I think we saw a really low turnout in our last two, um, like presidential races, like we've had really low turnouts over the time or over the years, we see fewer and fe fewer people showing up to the polls to vote. And I think part of it is people, a lot of people might just be disinterested in politics. Um, there are some, there's some things around like 
people's access to make it to the polls. Uh, some people just ha don't have the resources to take off work that day to go vote. To go vote. Um, some people don't have access to a vehicle to drive to the polls to vote, that sort of thing. So you have like a variety of reasons. Um, but uh, I think you we've seen like a steady decline in the people number of people voting. So I don't think that's an odd number um, or a terribly small number relative to the national average. But it is it's a small number. Like it, it right. just is a small number, though it relatively maybe not small. But just thinking about people, like five percent of the population determined for the other ninety-five percent mm -hmm. what was going to happen in the city council election in Bentonville. Yeah. Um, so all the reasons you talked about on a national level, um, those are definitely, you know, happening. But I can't help but think that in like a Bentonville scenario that it's more of on the other end of things. So people have the ability and access to vote. Sure. But maybe they don't feel the compulsion to vote. Right. And this is, this is a really interesting topic to me as a whole, because um, I was doing a little bit of sociology research from my college days. Mm -hmm. And um, I came across uh, an ethnography that a social scientist, um, did on groups such as Rotary Clubs, PTA boards, all of those very local organizations. And what the, what she ended up finding was that they had uh, gerrymandered engagement. So they picked and choose what they would be participating in as long as it qualified as, quote, close to home or, quote, for the children. Mm -hmm. But as great as that sounds they would be involved because that's the places where they felt most empowered versus the places that they can make the most difference so in pta boards people can have a lot of confidence in the change that they're making but perhaps they wouldn't think of a a level of electing somebody who made better education better not just for their high school but for others as well so it's in, instead of actually going out and voting and affecting things on a structural level or an institutional level, then people kind of settle for just like an at-home level in order to have the feeling of changing more rather than actually making the greatest impact because they feel the most empowered where they are. And that's not to say that people don't make change in small areas. And I think we can... We can talk about that in the later portions as well, especially in the societal action, the, the being involved in politics through action. But that's to say that people do opt on the side of, I want to feel valued and I want to feel important and like I'm contributing. Um, and sometimes voting just doesn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. Voting feels like I'm just casting a vote I'm don't even know what's happening afterward. Maybe I, I don't even know personally who's involved. Um, I know what they stand for and maybe I don't agree with everything that they stand for and they just make it everybody else's job to decide that for them. And then no matter kind of how the dice land, they're like, I'm, I'm fine because, um, one, it wouldn't dramatically affect me or two, 
um, I'm already involved in my micro world Mm -hmm. and I'm going, because I feel empowered in that micro world, then I'm going to be fine because I get to dictate it because I have the most power there. Right. So for example, just to make sure I'm hearing you correctly, this is someone who participates, like you said, in a PTA board because their voice is louder in that room or is heard or makes more of a difference in that one room rather than being in a bigger room where their voice is smaller, but they're... And that can make it sound egotistical. Sure. Like I need to be the most uh, loud and recognized voice, mm-hmm. but I don't, it's not, it can't, it's not all wrapped up in that. It's a, I feel like I am, I feel that I am most effective in those meetings because I do have a loud voice and I do make waves positively for my cause. But the thing is, if you band with others and go on a more macro level, then your impact could be much higher and there could be more of a, there's more of a struggle. There's more, there's less clear and actionable um, boxes to check off of progress. Yeah. But ultimately, that's how broader change happens. It's like, this is a very extreme example, but in the case of the problem, kids getting into drugs. So that's a societal issue. Let's say I go and mentor one person and I get like that kid out of drugs. Sure. That's awesome. That's incredible. That makes me feel really valuable. That kid wouldn't have gotten off of drugs if I didn't intervene. Um and I'm not saying don't mentor the kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> that would be really bad. Um, but mentor the kid, but also advocate for policy that reduces the number of kids that get into drugs in the first place. So it's trying to get behind the issue instead of working within the issue, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And the reason it's easier is because we can see immediate results and say, oh, I did that, rather than collaborating with a lot of other people and saying, we're trying to get at the nuance behind the thing to affect change. Yes. Which can be a lot less immediately rewarding. Yes. Okay, cool. For that reason, I applaud people who have the vision to be in positions of authority and you know have the dream of reducing things long-term. Um, I'm a very like instant you know, instant gratification and reward kind of person. Uh And so like, I would be on the side of like mentor the kid. I've done incredible things and like have the biggest impact that I can instead of um, doing the long work and the long um, hours and sweat into something that I don't immediately get to see. Sure. So, and that, that kind of ties into the the concept of uh, volunteerism to define that for the listener um, that's the idea where people go and travel maybe internationally or somewhere in order to uh, do good somewhere. But again, it doesn't solve the problem and sometimes it can actually make it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a quick story on that. In college, I was a part of this group uh, called the Humanitarian Disaster Institute at my college. And we we were a bunch of math kids trying to do simulations on hurricanes. It was pretty fun. And yeah, <laughs> it was less of uh it related to the humanitarian Institute. Sure but, it did. Um, but anyway, so we, in addition to our work, we got to hear some 
some speakers and um, some voices in this humanitarian disaster institute come through. And one example uh, was actually a friend of mine. His name is Kei Takazawa. He's from Japan. And when they got hit really bad with uh, the typhoon, um, there were a lot of homes, a lot of people, there was a lot of homes destroyed. A lot of people needed to be displaced somewhere else. And so what like Habitat for Humanity and all that did is they would send people to build homes, but they wouldn't make homes that were culturally appropriate for the Japanese. Hmm. So specifically in Japanese culture, um, in every house, there's a lower level whenever you walk in because that's where you take off your shoes and that's where um, it's just culturally done where you have a lower level and then you step into the rest of the house, which is a step up once you've taken off your shoes. And none of these houses had that. And no one hardly moved into them because they weren't culturally like appropriate. Right. And from the outside, you're just seeing, oh, these are just ungrateful people who aren't, you know, using the home that I've built them. Yeah. It's, it's a very narcissistic thing. Like I've, I've done this impact. I've, I made this house. Why aren't you using it versus going in and understanding the problem overall and then acting, I guess. Right. Or making change at a higher level to actually cause change. So again, plays at people's desire to make a change themselves um, instead of be aligned with a more larger view that really tackles the problem and is less rewarding, I guess. Yeah. And has a lot more nuance yes. and education. In yes. It. And this is not to say that people are bad. This has nothing to do with the yeah. fact that people are just really selfish and evil and all of that. It's just a short-sighted way of viewing things. Yeah. Yeah. How all that relates to voting mm -hmm. is that voting in itself is the getting behind the problem is getting into the macro um, view of whatever issue that you're passionate about. So if you're passionate about schools, be involved in PTA. That's great. But also think that you should vote for candidates that align with your views on education. Like the, it should be a mix between the two that you have personal involvement in your local organization, but also you vote for representatives and people on a national level to represent you education wise. This idea that people don't want to get involved on a larger scale because it doesn't yield immediate results is the heart of why people say my vote doesn't matter. Yes. Um, because there's so many voices. How does my one voice matter? Um, when voting is the ultimate in a national scale, the ultimate in macro involvement, um, even if it's not like participatory, it is participatory in the fact that you are um, putting your ballot behind someone whose policies you align more so than with another um, politician. Um, so I think that the, the argument that my vote doesn't matter is like the ultimate in, um, it's the ultimate in I wanna see immediate results and my collaboration with other people is not worth it because I don't see those immediate results. Well, and also people can easily make excuses to just not be involved because it's a matter of this doesn't directly affect me, so I'm fine. 
Right. You know, people could be in a spot where financially, like the policies at play don't affect them whatsoever. And so they're like, hey, um, I don't care to put the work in to figure out who to vote for, what's the right decision. Um, because no matter how the dice land, then I'm fine. Yeah. But that's not the case for everybody. That's not the case for those who are poorer. That's, um, I mean, in this last election, I actually saw a big wave of, um, like ex inmates, uh, ex cons, uh, saying I can't vote because, you know, if you get, um, if you're issued a felony, if you think have you. a felony arrest, you cannot no longer vote. You lo- yes. lose that, right? And all of them are like, please, like these policies affect me, but I have no way of influencing that because um, I've committed a felony and I can't vote. Right. But I still, it's still, it doesn't mean that I don't care <laughs> about this country and it doesn't mean that these policies don't affect me. So I need somebody to stick up for me. Yeah. It's important for those that are more disadvantaged for for those to actually vote, I guess, and put their voices out there, even if 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 you put their, your voice out there and you the policies don't directly affect you personally, right? And I so I think we should talk for a second here about why we vote, um, because we've talked about a little bit about the reasons we don't vote, why people wouldn't vote. Let's talk about a little bit um, the reasons people do vote. Um, and so for the people you mentioned a second ago, the, um, ex cons who desired that other people would vote, vote in their interest, vote in the interest of the ex con, mm-hmm. um, some people I would imagine took up that cause and voted in the interest of ex cons, um, and used their vote when, as they were looking around, recognizing that there are people without a voice. Um, and mm-hmm. tried to use their voice to affect the system in a way that the person without a voice could not do so, if that makes sense. You and I were talking a little bit ago before we started recording about this idea of voting for the self and voting for the whole of society. Um, let's talk about that a little bit because I think that's a distinction that is important and should be made and should be talk- talked about in considering why and how people vote. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, so on one hand, like you mentioned earlier, you have people who vote, uh, as a self-interest people who vote because they say, this is what I as an individual want. Um, so I think about like business owners are probably really, um, apt to do this and, I don't have any problem with it. Um, People say, oh, let's look at this tax plan and how it affects businesses. And if it's a net positive for business, let's vote for it. If it's a net negative for a business, let's vote against it. And there's nothing malicious or evil or like negatively selfish about it. It's just, this is what I need to help my business or and survive as a business survive as a business and it's it's less of a you know oh i need to benefit in society at everybody else's expense it's just if we're voting as an as a people and it's supposed to be representative of the people then i'm gonna vote exactly what benefits me right and then you do have people on the other side of that who don't look at policy 
as how does this particular policy affect me in particular, but how does it affect society as a whole? Um, I've heard, heard democracy put um, or defined as it's everybody loses a little bit so everybody can win much more. Not everybody can have exactly what they want. Everybody gives up a little bit um, so we can kind of have some collective ground to stand on. Well, in this, this is kind of epitomized um, whenever I was taking my notes for this episode, actually. Okay. So I, I was sitting at Bike Rack at A Street because that's my main squeeze of a location. Mm -hmm. And I was hungry. I was craving some food and Peddler's is next door, Peddler's Pub. We love that place. It's fantastic food. Also, because it's gotten warmer outside, Walk the Walk, the food truck that's within its first year, uh, reopened their doors again as well. Now, I like both of these places equally. Like Both of their foods are awesome and I will eat both of them any day. Um, but Peddler's had a little bit of a convenience factor. Peddler's could deliver over to Bike Rack's A Street location, um, while for Walk the Walk, I had to go over there and I had to eat there and wait there um, for my food. Now, there was a convenience for me at play, but I also know that Walk the Walk is in its first year of business. Now, if I want to see more of Walk the Walk around, then I should probably eat at Walk the Walk. Um, mm -hmm. Because what if, you know, people make that peddler's Walk the Walk choice often enough to choose peddler's all the time, and then Walk the Walk never gets business. Right. And then Walk the Walk goes under, and we all lose. Like, we all lose Walk the Walk. Yeah, yeah. So even if I'm not craving the convenience of, or if, if even though I am craving the convenience of peddlers, I choose walk the walk because I want to see that still there in the future. Right. And so that kind of goes into competition and, you know, survival of the fittest when it comes to business and a free market. Um, but it's a similar concept of a vote mm -hmm. and it's, do I vote for the good of society um, the good of both restaurants or do I vote for what I want and what's convenient for me? Mm -hmm. So and neither is selfish. I mean, neither is like evil. Yeah. One is selfish, but not yeah. in like a traditional evil version that people normally associate with selfish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think now we can kind of take a turn because what you just mentioned about the economics of business and competition will be a nice transition into our voting with your dollar section yes. that we talk about so much. Um, but just to mention, uh, there are some elections coming up this year that are worth investing time and research into. Um, all four districts for the U.S. House of Representatives in Arkansas are up for re-election in 2018. Uh, the governor seat, is open in 2018. Um, and I think all of those are going to be running incumbents. So I think they're still going to be running for the seat, the people who are in those seats right now. Um, but take the time to learn those candidates and understand how the, their policy uh, will affect um, you and your business or your neighbors. And 
li- listen and learn. We're in the we are in District Three. If you didn't know, uh, we'll have um, voting around District Three of the U.S. House of Representatives in Arkansas, um, and then obviously in uh, the gubernatorial race. I always say that very wrong, <laughs> um, but all both of those are up for re or uh, those are open seats um and that the voting day in arkansas is november 6th of this year and if you'd like to vote in the primaries the primaries the open primary is on may 22nd and then the uh primary runoff is somewhere in june okay cool don't remember off the top of my head yeah um, that's plenty of time to just look into the candidates and just to clarify, because this is confusing for me as well, there is a house of representatives for Arkansas, the state, and then there's a house of representatives nationally. And so our, the house of representatives for Arkansas, that is more on a district level. So mm-hmm. for Bentonville, I know that my district is 93 and I currently it's uh, Jim Dotson is our representative and he is up for or the position is up for um election that was a weird way of putting it, it yeah <laughs> the position is up for politics and language around politics is hard uh um the position is up for election we will vote yeah. on that <laughs> and for that's the 93rd district there's probably um, seven or eight districts uh, for the U.S. or the Arkansas State House of Representatives um, in our sort of coverage area for Hey Hey NWA's coverage area. Uh, so Springdale's one, Johnson area is one, Fayetteville is split kind of into Farmington is one, Bella Vista is one, Springdale is one, Rogers is one. Um, so we have several in our area, um, but just look it up. Honestly, uh, we won't, we're not going to go over all of them right here. For and sure. also speaking of Bentonville city council. So that was a special election because somebody was stepping down, but they're still up for reelection in 2018. Right. Those seats are up for reelection. The person who, who just won, who just has won, to run again. We'll have to run again, which yeah. sucks. <laughs> like, honestly, uh-huh. I can't imagine running a campaign and being like, man, all right, time to relax for five minutes and then run again. I guess she'll be the incumbent, though, at that point. Yes, she will. So, anyway. So, all of those are up for, you know, opportunities to vote and have your voice heard politically. And, yes. You can find a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, who represents whatever, what area on Ballotpedia. That's where we found a lot of our or that's where I found a lot of my stuff. And if you're specifically looking for the Arkansas House of Representatives, there's arkansashouse.org. That's where you can find out who's representing what district. So, cool. Investigate that. A lot of candidates have Facebook pages. Just go read a Facebook page and everybody's on their phones all the time on Facebook anyway. Just yeah. go read a candidate page. Yeah, this conversation can be incredibly draining, especially when you talk about like voting. In particular, I know this conversation for me is really draining because there's kind of a lot of minutia and a lot of homework to be done if you want to participate on every level. Um, Speaking of, don't forget to register to vote. 
Yes. So that's really important. So which you uh, can do it on the DMV website. It's a physical form. It is a blast from the past. Unfortunately, you have to like fill it out and mail it in. Mm-hmm. Or you can do it in face-to-face in person. True. So just be mindful of that. Look up those dates for turning in your voter registration forms because I did not. <laughs> and I really regret that I did not. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I can participate. So anyway, I think we're going to move past the vote section, move into the economics section. Thankfully, f- my favorite thing is talking about politics and now we talk about economics because I'm so smart at both of those. Um, (laughs) I mean, they are, I mean, these conversations are pretty draining because I think I much more enjoy the, our last, our third segment that we're going to get to. Um, But Peyton and I talk about this second one, this economics piece constantly on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think part of it comes from a desire to be involved in the arts community here. Um, and I think a big part of our brand is like uh, celebrating uh, artists who are doing good work and wanting to see them succeed. And part and the, one of the biggest problems for artists is funding that thing that they do. Um, so for example, um, a brief example, the limelight festival, we're, the limelight festival that we are a part of, is all about allowing resources to get to musicians um, who normally don't have access to funds to do their work. A lot of what you and I do with visual artists is try to show up and help them and support them in the art that they make, um, and paying for it and paying the same price that everybody else does, so we see more of that, even if we are friends with them. Not that I think that we've gotten any discounts from anybody just yet. I'm okay with that though. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Kind of on point. Um, so I think that your mention of peddlers pub and walk the walk is a good example of how do I think about and imagine using my resources, um, and resources at this point being dollars, to contribute to what someone is doing. And in this case, it's to restaurants. Um, How does my participation in the economy affect their existences as businesses? And is that not local politics? Because having supporting the businesses that are around you influences and shapes how your community develops in the ecosystem that your community creates. So if you enjoy culinary scenes and you believe that your community should be more culinary focused, then that's where you should vote with your dollar is Mm -hmm. for culinary. If it's arts, vote with your dollar for arts. And then you'll naturally see your community rise to that and be more of an arts community. Yes. If people get on that sort of train. Mm -hmm. Now, I think you can also see the opposites take place. I mean, and at the same time, those industries, some industries will win out because people in a particular location are more into funk music. And so the funk industry does well while the hip hop scene hurts and crumbles because there's not money and people contributing to this hip hop scene, but they want to contribute to funk really random example. Yes, it is. But, um, even with the, and not even, I should take it a bit 
broader, let's say music versus culinary even, um, if people are willing to invest the money in to really great food places, but don't want to invest the money in really great musicians, then you'll see the imbalance of a growing culinary community and a dwindling music community. And they'll take their uh, bags and move somewhere up the road where they are valued. Now that's a factor, but even within each of those cultures of music and of culinary, I'll never forget what Raj said on our podcast, Raj Suresh, local comedian. He said, Hey, support the things that you enjoy, but don't support crappy things. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you, you don't need to just, you know, grin and bear your arts community because it's not, you know, it's, Oh, you want an arts community, but you know, it really sucks. And like nobody in it is very great. No, you support the art that you actually enjoy. It's not just you. It's not just a blind dedication to art. Yes. It's even within art, we support those that are doing well in creating good things. And, and that's, what's going to build a very vibrant arts community. For example, it's not just going to be like, Oh wow, Northwest Arkansas, what a great place to find crap art. <laughs> Just because yeah. we forced art here. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Luckily that's not the case. But that can that can be the begrudging mentality of, wow, I just feel obligated to give my money to the arts, even though the arts here aren't great. Because right. I want to see an arts community. Yes. Yes. At the same man, at the same time though, I see that someone has to be a catalyst for some of that stuff. Okay. Like you, someone has to be the first good restaurant in town, you know, or someone has to be the first good funk band in town or someone, you know, like there will always be a first and investment in getting a first thing there is not a waste. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is a consideration too. But I think that's a phase. I think that is phase one. Yeah. But once you get into phase two and beyond, it's going to be a competition. Yeah. Unfortunately, for those who do not make it. But also, like, fortunately for everyone, the fact that we have competition is good. Yes. Like, we need good competition to bring out the best in people. Like, we need healthy debate we need healthy like competition to arrive at the most like refined thing that's how you get there what i'm thinking of our brewery scene sure you know since uh we became uh not a dry county mm-hmm. um you've had breweries pop up and you've had the first couple and bike Rock was one of them and they had good beer but then more breweries came along and what Bike Rack did is they redid their recipes and they increased their talent. They got Josiah Moody, who's um brewmaster. Um I'm forget if that's the actual technical term or not. There's a technical term called brewmaster, but Okay. I don't know if that is always a definition of qualification. Don't worry about it then. Okay. But anyway, the point is Bike Rack ups their game and becomes better. Even if even though they were the first they didn't stop there. They didn't stop and be like, oh, any craft beer is fine. Mm-hmm. They saw the competition rise up and they increased their product. And now everybody else is also increasing their product. And so, and we're all benefiting. We get to have 
for example, on St. Patrick's Day, have a brew crawl or um, ale trail or Celtic crawl or whatever it is. And you get to have awesome quality beer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And when we talk about economics, I think it's important to mention uh, that with economics and a conversation around economics comes the idea that some people are unable to contribute to this conversation. Yes. Like it gets really difficult when you talk about low income people voting with your dollar. Like, what do you want to see more of? Well, some people just can't afford to have the nicest or the best or the custom built. Like I think about furniture cause I build it sometimes, you know, um, people love, love Ikea, um, because of an aesthetic, um, when someone here could build, you know, maybe not something exactly the same, much higher quality. Um, it'll be more expensive though, especially if it's like custom built for a person. Um, you, some people just cannot make that decision. Some people have to buy the cheaper stuff just because they can't afford economically to support their local furniture scene or whatever. Right. Um, and so I think we need to keep that in consideration when we talk about voting with your dollar, because with this conversation also, um, comes with it, like an assumption that people have the ability and privilege enough to make those decisions. Absolutely. Um, so I just don't want to miss that point as we're having this conversation to recognize that some people are at a disadvantage to vote with their dollar, quote unquote. So the last section we have is participating for local politics. And participating can be down two streams, Zach. Um, What were the two that you were talking about earlier? Yeah, so I, when we talk about action, I think there's two ways to be involved. Um, I think there is participation, which is, um, jumping onto something else that already exists, like leaning into something that's already there. Um, and then there is also a creation of something new that is needed or necessary. Um, so I think you have kind of two sides of this coin and there's not a good side or bad side. There's just like, you can lump your stuff together with people that are already doing that work, or you can create something new. So participation um, can look like a lot of different things. It has a lot of different faces. Um, And it can be everything, as I mentioned before, it can be everything from um, getting out and working in a garden. It can be uh, literal protest. It could be whatever the list goes on. Um, I only mentioned two things. I feel like I should have mentioned more. Wow. Such a long list, such a long list. Um, but it can take on many faces. I mean, it is you as a person, just imagine this as like, it is not economics. It is not me giving my money to something and it is me not voting anything else that you do that is societal focused that is the work that you put toward it, um, maybe in the economics of time, um, then I would consider that 
action. Well, and that's such a good point that piggybacks what we ended the economic section about. Not everybody can vote with a dollar, but not everybody can vote necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like you have those who are um, not citizens. Like we're we're friends with people who work for Walmart. They're young professionals. They can't vote uh, because they're not citizens. They're on work visas or yeah. whatever. Whatever it may be. Also, people who are too young to vote. Yeah. So speaking of people who can't vote, uh, in the last week, uh, when you'll hear this, um, on Wednesday of last week, there was a walkout, a kind of a nationwide school walkout for high school and college students to participate in um, as they left their schools in protest. It was a um, image and a participation in politics that was not a vote and it was not economics. It was a group of quite literally disenfranchised people. Disenfranchised means meaning the not having the ability to vote, um, making their voice heard in a way that was not voting, but was participation in a politic. And in this case, it was a participatory thing in that they were moving together towards something, not creating something new. Um, They were stepping into a 